This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he enjoys a good New Jersey pizza pie. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Burton, and you're joining us today for episode 123 of Chamber Chat Podcast, where it is my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor for this episode is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Is your chamber struggling to drive the revenue it needs to support your initiatives? It's a common problem, and one that our new title sponsor, Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions, knows a lot about. Doug and Bill Holman aren't just sales consultants, they're real-life chamber guys with 20-plus years of chamber leadership experience. They know how to diagnose and solve member recruiting issues faster and better than anyone else, and they're ready to put that knowledge to work for you and your chamber. Call the Holman Brothers today at 619-852-852. 1391 or check them out at holmanbros.com. That's H O L M A N B R O S.com. Our guest for this episode is Adam Legg, who's the president of the Business Council of Alberta. Adam believes in the potential of leaders to make their organizations remarkable and to do work that can change their communities and the world. Adam has worked with executives, leaders, and boards to help them achieve remarkability through organizational renewal and transformation. Amidst the challenges of disruption, change, and complexity, he uses a proven structure that will enable any organization to move from stale or struggling to remarkable. He brings over 20 years of experience in leadership, governance, strategy, culture, and change to help his clients create greater impact, relevance, and value as an organization. He is the author of Making Remarkable, How to Deliver Purpose, Inspire People, and Build a Platform for Exceptional Results. When not helping clients become remarkable organizations, Adam Legg is the president of the Business Council of Alberta, where he leads a team that is tasked with harnessing the experience of Alberta's business leaders and entrepreneurs in making life better for Albertans. Prior to helping launch the council, Adam was a director at the Canadian Center for Advanced Leadership in the Haskane School of Business at the University of Calgary. He served as the the 18th president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, where he took a struggling and traditional Chamber of Commerce and transformed the organization into a dynamic and award-winning entity. Adam has also held the positions of vice president and chief economist for the Calgary Economic Development and manager with PwC and its real estate advisory services practice based in Calgary, Alberta. Adam is vice chair of Vibrant Communities Calgary, and has previously chaired the boards of of WordFest, Attainable Homes Calgary, and the Norfolk Housing Association, and has been on the board of United Way Calgary and area. He serves on the boards of multiple private companies in Calgary. Adam is a recipient of the Calgary Top 40 Under 40, and in November of 2017 was awarded a Canada Senate 150 medal by the Senate of Canada to only 1,500 Canadians for their work and dedication on improving the quality of life in their communities. 
Adam, I am excited to have you with me today on Chamber Chat Podcast and would like for you to just take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber champions out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little bit better. Well, thanks, Brandon. And, and hello from uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. You're, you're good neighbors to the north. It's a privilege to be uh, on your podcast. I am a devoted uh, chamber executive who has built many, many friendships across uh, the chamber world, uh, both in Canada, United States, and, and around the world. Uh, I had the privilege of serving on the Association of Chamber Commerce Executives Board for many years, and so built tremendous lifelong uh, friendships in the chamber community. So it's a privilege to be here. Uh, something interesting about myself, um, gosh, four kids, uh, love, love the outdoors, uh, Alberta, uh, if anyone can think of where we live, so a similar setting to Denver, uh, high up in the Rocky Mountains here. So a real, real privilege to live where we do. And uh, just finally, just wishing everybody uh, good health and happiness through these crazy COVID times. That's great. Um, so I'd, I'd like for you to take a, a few moments just to share with us a little bit about the Business Council of Alberta. And I know it's not necessarily the topic for our discussion today, but just to kind of give some background about what it is, how it is similar and different at the same time from a, a traditional chamber. And uh, I think that'll help kind of stage our discussion. Yeah, no, for sure. So as you said in your intro, I, I ran the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, which is a more conventional chamber type organization for many years, um, and then was was brought in to build this new organization called the Business Council of Alberta. So if you can imagine uh, a chamber taking its largest members, largest corporations, um, and focusing only on public policy and advocacy and carving that out as a separate organization, that's what the Business Council of Alberta is. So we have a hundred of, of Alberta's top companies and CEOs, um, some of which may operate in the United States, uh, companies like uh, uh, TC Energy and uh, Suncor and Enbridge and WestJet, uh, one of our two national airlines. Um, those are all kind of my members uh, who are all headquartered here in Alberta. And uh, we just focus on public policy at the provincial and, and, and national level uh, on those things that are really we take a longer term approach. So we talk a lot about shared prosperity, both share, uh, uh, social and financial prosperity uh, for all Albertans. Um, but we want to make sure that that is done through a thriving uh, private sector, thriving business community that can create the jobs and the investment uh, needed to generate prosperity for all Albertans. And so um, it's, uh, we, we, we cover topics like skills and jobs, uh, but we also talk, tackle topics like um, uh, long-term opportunities for our key sectors like uh, energy and agriculture, transportation, logistics, helping grow the tech sector with the right public policy environment. So um, yeah, we're about two years old now. We launched in June of 2019 and um, are, are really just uh, trying, to, trying to make a difference in the long-term lives of, of Albertans. That's awesome. I know a lot of people listening might be a little jealous right now if they, you know, really have a an affinity towards a public policy and advocacy, and if they just came off of planning their annual chamber banquet or you know some other big event, they might think, <laughs> you know, Adam's got a good good gig there. <laughs> I, I, I feel pretty 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 privileged because yes, I, I don't have to worry about. Uh, the next networking event or, uh, or the chamber ball or, or whatever some of those big fundraising drives might be. Uh, 
That's right. Those, uh, the stress inducing events for sure. I remember the days. Yeah. (laughs) Well, our topic for discussion today is around organizational transformation. And for anyone who's read Adam's book, uh, Making Remarkable, it focuses all around this topic of, of transforming, transforming an organization to become remarkable. And we're going to get into some of the, the details around that as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. All right, Adam, we are back. Um, Like I mentioned before the break, our topic is organizational transformation. Mm -hmm. Why don't we start by having you share with us uh, your experience at the Calgary Chamber when you were brought in, kind of what things look like and and there, you know, spoiler alert, but there was some change that took place when, when you were there as, as present CEO. So tell us a little bit about that experience. Sure. So I, I, I was recruited in, in uh, 2010 to, uh, to join the, the Calgary chamber. Um, what really drove the, the desire for a new president was they had under, t- they had really slipped in their membership uh, ranks and, uh, and, and felt there was a need for a membership push. So the board had, uh, commissioned a marketing study to say how do we how do we position ourselves in the market to really get more members. Uh, what came out of that marketing study was the the consultants came back and said you actually you you can't really sell more memberships because you have a brand problem. Um, and so they said you need to shift your brand. And they really recommended that they find someone who was younger. Uh, all of my predecessors, uh, phenomenal people, but had been uh, of an older generation, uh, a lot of gray hair. Um, and they said, you need, you need to find someone younger. And so I think I was, I was a bit of the, the black sheep in the mix of, of the candidates. Um, I eventually uh, was, was, was offered the position, came in uh, at the age of 38 uh, to run the chamber. I was that sort of under 40 person. And so I was given a mandate to, to reimagine the chamber from a brand standpoint. And those that are familiar with brand, lots of people think it's sort of a logo, but it's it's much more than that. It's your promise. It's your commitment to uh, your customer or your member about what that experience is going to be. It's, it's who you are. It's your purpose, really, um, and why you exist in the world. And so we began to do a lot of work with, with members, with past members, with other stakeholders in the community. And then I began to dig internally in terms of the operation and found that not only did we have this brand problem, um, the people in the community didn't really know who we were, what we stood for. Um, 
but we also just had no one had really looked under the hood of the business and broken it down in terms of its performance by different business lines and by metrics and comparing against other chambers and benchmarks. And what I just found was an organization, quite frankly, that was just sort of rotten to its core. Um, and it needed, it needed rebuilding from the foundation up. So that then began the, the process of transformation. And it took a number of years, you know, Brandon, the first I, I tried to, um, you know, sort of force a few things through. I, had, I was very inexperienced. I had never done this before. It was my first president CEO job. Um, and I sort of just began looking for the, the blueprint of how do you transform an organization? I could find bits and pieces of it, but I could never find the, the, the complete picture, which is what ultimately ended up in me writing the book. Um, but, you know, we, we started with brand. We redid the brand of the organization. Um, after a number of false starts, I decided I needed a whole new uh, leadership team. So we, we switched the, the team out, got a whole bunch of new great people in. They then built great teams under them. We you know, dissected the value proposition. We analyzed the financials. Uh, like many chambers, we owned our building at the time. So we went through a real estate decision and ultimately sold the building um, and turned the place around. It took, it, you know, it wasn't until probably year four um, that I could start to look at our income statement and the membership growth and start to feel, okay, we've, we've gotten there. It took sort of three years of really hard work. I probably could have truncated that uh, a bit if I had been more <laughs> experienced in it. Um, but it, you know, it took some time and you know, when I left in 2017, it was, uh, it had won a number of awards, both internationally and within Canada. Um, we had had a tremendous membership uh, levels. We had, uh, our financial performance was, was superb. Uh, membership satisfaction and retention was very strong. Um, and staff satisfaction and turnover was, was tremendous. So I really felt uh, I was able to, to turn the tides and, and leave a stronger organization than I found it. So I appreciate you sharing that kind of snapshot, if you will. I know that that that's a lot of time and a lot of change that you just condensed into a couple of minutes. A lot of gray hair too. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the things in both you telling that kind of that summary of, of the story and and also in reading the book, um, there's a personal aspect to an organizational change as well, mm -hmm. which I think. Mm -hmm can be difficult for a lot of people that are, you know, dealing with the people, whether it's somebody that they've worked with, a staff member for a long time, that's not fitting the direction for the new change, um, or even being the new guy, you know, coming into an organiza organization and making, you know, some staff changes that might be unpopular. Um, how did you deal with that? With uh, I'm sure you you weren't always the you know the the popular guy when when some of these changes were being discussed. Um, but how did how did you work through that? Uh, it's, it's you know great question. There were so many different scenarios that we faced. I mean, there were some people that um, you know I, I so many different categories. Some were actively undermining uh, my efforts. Um, and so, uh, they, they had to go. That makes it a little easier. Yeah. Make it a little easier, right? Yeah. You sort of feel uh, weight off your shoulders. Yeah. Um, there were some that just, I guess I step back first and foremost, I guess it's, it's a matter of sort of painting the picture of where you want to go, right? You gotta, you gotta bring people along on the journey. So after we had built the, redone the brand and, and set the strategic direction for the organization, it was then about, okay, who's on, who's on the bus with us. 
Um, and then you had a sort of variety of different camps that came out of that. One was, you know, were actively undermining. So those folks had to go. Um, two were people that believed in the direction, but just couldn't keep up or couldn't perform. Um, and so, you know, we did have to have to let them go. But I'm, I'm happy to say that pretty much everybody in that case found a better uh, landing zone than where they were. They actually ended up happier in a better place. That's good. Um, and, um, you know, and then there were others that were just sort of, as you, as you said, you weren't popular. So people then uh, started behaving badly because they didn't like some of the directions. And so they were willing to kind of, uh, you know, fix their, their, their anchor to somebody else who had gone down. And so they went down uh, as well. I, Cause I just wasn't going to support people who, you know, I had one, I had to let one person go because he wasn't performing. And his whole team uh, later that afternoon was so devastated, they decided to go out and, and get drunk and then not show up for work the next day. Um, and then we then let them know it was quite fine to not show up for the rest of the days after that too, because you basically abandoned your job. So, you know, they're just, so, you know, humans react so bizarrely at times, but, you know, I think ultimately the people that were on the bus and believed in it, and I, and I always did it in a, in a humanistic, humanistic and compassionate way and explained to people why we had to do certain things. Um, and, you know, most people said, okay, I, I, I kind of get it. I like the person, but I also like the vision where we're going. And, you know, I can, I can figure things out and I can be part of the team and I can contribute to this. And then also other people saw it as an opportunity to step up. And we actually then moved a number of people who were underneath the person who we had let go uh, and, and put them in more senior positions and they, they thrived. I've got a number of examples where that happened. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you're right. Being in a leadership position, it's, it, you have to make those tough calls. You're not, you're not going to be everybody's friend. Um, and it took me a long time to sort of build the stomach and resist resilience to be able to sort of manage through that. Uh, at first I tried to, I tried to be liked by everybody. In fact, that's one of those, um, uh, if, if anyone's a fan of the Patrick Lencioni books, he writes these books about leadership and these sort of fabled approaches. Um, and one of his, his books centers around, um, you know, the temptation to being liked versus delivering results. Um, your board is not hiring you to be liked. Your board is hiring you to deliver results. And so you kind of just have to find them, you know, uh, this fortitude to pursue through that. And I know that sounds a bit harsh, but you know, ultimately that's what, what you're there to do. And, um, but doing it in a thoughtful, rational, uh, very sensitive way, I think everybody can, can figure out how to, how to participate going forward. Yeah. And I think if you do that, you go after the results, then the people that are on the bus, like you said, that are on your team and back in the purpose that those people, they will like you, they'll support you. They'll, they see the vision and, and they catch on and, and ride with you all the way. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, so you were brought into Calgary Chamber um, with a specific purpose for making some some positive change there at that organization. Um, for somebody who's brought in in that situation versus somebody who may be at a, a chamber for several years now, but they see the need for some change, um, how would somebody, or how would you suggest somebody who's been in that position for some time to go about trying to implement some of that change? I know the buy-in can be hard if it, if it's you seeing the need and, and trying to convince others. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me was that I had a very supportive board. They, they knew that transformation was needed. And so I had great support to undertake the change that needed to be, to be made. Um, 
so I think for someone who, who sees the need, uh, first piece is to begin to begin to get their their governors on side and and the, the, the directors and the board. Um, you know, maybe start with a couple people they know might be some internal champions, help advocate and help help, help champion that cause. Um, but if you're going to try and be pushing a transformation agenda or a change agenda for, uh, with a board that sort of likes things as the way they are, feel pretty comfy and cozy or don't want to open up resources to enable you to make the change because it does cost some money, um, then you're going to be you're going to be pretty stuck. So I, I think getting the board uh, or some key leadership or influencers there on side is, is first piece. And, and really to help do that, you kind of need to do some homework up front, which is really understanding the, the performance of the organization. And this is where you kind of have to be uh, a little bit ruthless in terms of, you know, how are we performing? Are we, you know, a great tool is, is ACCE's dynamic chamber benchmarking. I'm a huge fan of that, really assessing how you perform um, uh, against uh, other chambers of your size or in your geography or, or, or budget, et cetera. Um, and, and across whole host of metrics in terms of membership, retention, budgets, expenses, staff, all these sorts of things. Um, you know, I, I always tell my team just because you can lift 50 pounds uh, is kind of irrelevant compared to whether you know that what you should be lifting is 100 um, until you've got some sort of comparator. Um, you really don't really know where you fit. So bringing some data to the table, really analyzing that, bringing some um, some other members or some some feedback from uh, potential member candidates who would say, you know, I'd join if the chamber did X or Y or what have you, just getting some, some stakeholder input in terms of that to help build your case. Um, and then, you know, once you hopefully get some, some approval to move forward, um, then you've got a, a variety of different places. You know, I, I've built my process around three P's and uh, which is purpose, people and platform in that order. So, you know, so you can start with the purpose, which is sort of your brand and your culture. Um, and then you can move to your your people, which is your board and your team. And then finally is, is your platform, which is your, your strategy and your value proposition. Depending upon what needs to be changed, uh, you may tackle certain things in different orders or some things may be working well and you need to tackle other things. So, you know, it really depends on what needs to be changed. And in my case at the Calgary Chamber, we needed to change pretty much everything. Um, and so we started with that purpose, that brand, and then worked our way uh, down through things. I didn't get everything sequentially perfect, I'll be honest. Um, but, you know, uh, making sure you got the right people on board is critical. Making sure the board is there with you and is going to be a transformation oriented board um, is, is a really good governance uh, type board. Um, and then making sure you got the right value proposition, making sure you're selling what people want to buy um, and that you've got the right um, ability to deliver that is, is sort of other key pieces. So, Really getting that buy-in and support at the governance level to me is is sort of an essential first step using good data, good information to build the case. Yeah. So I can see, you know, some people in their situation might, you know, be close to just throwing their hands up and saying, we need change, but I can't even put my finger on where to start with that change. Um, is there certain, I mean, you mentioned the three Ps, the, P, the purpose, people, and platform. Is that the best place to kind of start and, you know, kind of uh, take that temperature, if you will, of your organization and figure out where the, the direction needs to go with the change? Or, or do you have another suggestion as to kind of gauge where you need to go? I mean, that, as, I, as I said earlier in this, and I look for that, that roadmap or that how-to manual when I joined the, the Calgary Chamber um, in terms of how do you transform an organization? I couldn't find one. So 
I knit all these pieces together. And that's ultimately what, what my model is, is kind of knitting all these bits and pieces together. It's what worked for me. Um, and I think it's what works effectively given that it starts at the big picture and works its way down. If you try and do too much at the bottom without sort of fixing the, the foundational elements like your brand and like your culture, um, you know, you can bring in, for example, some of the best performing membership salespeople, but if they're toxic to your culture and your values, um, you're going to drive away a whole bunch of other good staff. So you need to make sure you've got your culture and your values down firm. If, if, if you, or you can try and track people. If they don't know what you're working towards as your purpose as an organization, you may not necessarily be able to achieve the home runs that you hope you can. So as I say, I start with the big picture, your brand and your culture, then you move down to your people and then to your sort of the, your, your, your system of delivery under the platform. Um, as I say, not every organization is going to have every part of that broken. Um, but dissecting it that way is really helpful. I've got in, in my book um, questions to ask yourself under each one of those key pieces. And, and I've got a sort of scoring system to determine whether you're a remarkable organization in this area or you need some help in this area. So it kind of is a bit of a diagnostic that enables you to go through it and then say, okay, uh, we our purpose might be great, but we need fixing on our culture or we may need to fix our value proposition, but our um, you know, our strategy is good. So, you know, sequentially dissecting that can, can really help where, identify where the problem spots are. Yeah. I love how in the book, how you really stress the, the, the need to define what your purpose is mm -hmm. and also defining your culture and how both those two things, the, the culture and purpose are really different than what a lot of people may think on the surface, uh, yeah. when you talk purpose and culture. Um, so I don't know that we need to dive into that right now. Mm. People can, can get into the book and, and, uh, and, and see what you mean on, on, on purpose and culture, but those are big key elements. Uh, I've heard you bring them up multiple times in our discussion here. They're, they're huge. They, they, they set the tone for the organization for sure. Yeah. Um, so you, you talked about sharing the vision with the board, with the governance, with the, what other levels? So you've got your board, you've got your staff, you've got members. How would you go about on the different levels trying to share the vision and to get buy-in from those stakeholders? Um, we, we did a, a variety of different approaches. So in, in let's, let's assume we kind of fast forward to the point where we've, we've rebuilt the brand. We did that through consultation with our board and with members and with stakeholders. We did a very broad consultative process uh, in the community about what they felt the chamber should be um, and what its purpose should be. We then built that, we rolled it out, uh, got board approval for it from the start. Um, and then we, we, we built uh, the, the brand re-release re of, of the new brand around our AGM uh, back, in, uh, back in 2012. Um, and, you know, we had, we had sort of seeded it a little bit in the community to give a sense to, to as we had worked through it to test and validate it. Um, and we rolled out in, in, in a, at our AGM to some good fanfare. Um, and then it was a matter of activating it. You know, you can, you can roll out a brand and a culture, uh, but unless you walk the talk and, and live it and activate it through different practices and new approaches, um, it'll just fall flat. So we, you know, purposely began to, to develop some new kinds of events and some new messaging. Um, the way in which we tackled projects was different. 
um, and and we we spent different uh, co- had different conversations with our members, different conversations with um, the people we were hoping would join as members. Um, so it enabled a whole new set of conversations to happen. Um, and it was, as I say, you can roll out a brand, but it, it, it took probably a full 12 months of every, of renewal of everything of, of our, of our membership, uh, platform of our, of our communications, our material, uh, our look and feel our events, um, and, and even to some degree, our physical space, it took 12 months of all of that sinking in when people sort of kind of looked around and said, Hmm, okay, I, this place has changed. Um, you know, it, it, uh, the chamber prior to my arrival had tried to quote unquote rebrand itself a few times. Um, but all they did was change a logo and still do the same old thing. Um, so, you know, as I say in the book, you kind of got to do more than just change the drapes. Uh, it, 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 it really is about fundamentally redoing who you are, um, and, and what you're talking about. Absolutely. And I can see, you know, in this time, um, time in history, this post COVID, uh, for some still very much during COVID mm-hmm. timeframe, um, organizations may be seeing a need for a transformation with the way they do business, the way they roll out programming to members, the way that they get their brand and their messaging out. Um, I think this is a, it's a good time, if nothing else, to evaluate um, your purpose, how you're serving your purpose, your members, and what your culture is looking like. Has it changed during this COVID experience? Um, I think those are all reflective things for, for everyone to be looking at. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts around uh, kind of the post-COVID world. <laughs> and- yeah, it, you know, it's it's an interesting one. You know, chambers and organizations like mine, the Business Council, we've all been struggling. What is what is the value proposition? You know, the traditional networking and events and things like that, the, the lunches and dinners that we would all do, um, ground to a halt, you know, for the past 12 months. And so part of that huge part of that value proposition vanished. So the, the question mark is, you know, what do you do? Do you... If you, you People have pivoted and done stuff virtually, uh, focus more on some public policy. Um, but the question is, once we're all kind of able to go back to quote unquote life as normal, what what is the chamber offering and value proposition look like after that? Well, people say, hey, I I I, I enjoyed not having to get in my car and drive down to the ho- downtown hotel for the rubber chicken lunch and whatnot. <laughs> I'll just do it over Zoom. Um, or are they going to say, you know, I really miss being in the presence of my peers in the community, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to drive down to that, to that lunch. Um, I think the jury's still out on that. I, I'm, I personally think it'll go more back to it being in person. I think people are going to be craving those interactions. Um, and, and so I do think that there's lots of things, but you know, it is, it is time to question, do we go back to business as usual pre COVID or do we use this as a chance to kind of um, transform ourselves knowing that the world has changed a little bit, in this time and what what was really critical what was really important what really drove money what really drove membership affinity what really drove um a commitment and 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 alignment to members and and the organization um so I'd, I'd encourage every chamber leader to really think about is 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 this really where we should be going based on what we used to do or is this a chance to abandon some stuff that just wasn't working and this is a perfect opportunity to do so and build the organization that we've always wanted to do that fits more aligned to the future. Absolutely. 
so as we start wrapping things up here, I wanted to ask, based on our discussion today, what might be one tip or action item that somebody listening could do to, to help take their organization up to the next level and, and in your words, become more remarkable? Yeah. You know, the, the, the biggest eye-opening thing for me was, you know, chambers do a lot of surveys about, did you like this? Yes or no. Did you like that? Yes or no. Um, and I think the ultimate litmus test of a value proposition for organization is that we should be solving our members' challenges. Um, you know, it's, you know, someone asked me, do you, know, do you like a blue car? You know, sure. Yeah, I like a blue car. But I think the biggest question chambers should be asking is their members is, what keeps you up at night? What's that barrier to your business success that is in the way right now? Um, and, and really understanding what, ask the right question. Don't ask what, what do you want us to do more of? Don't ask, uh, what did you like? Did you like the banquet or did you like the breakfast? Don't ask those questions. <laughs> ask what keeps them up at night. Um, and what is in the way of that, that entrepreneur, that business growing their business? And then figure out how do you solve that problem? Um, that's when chambers will be successful. That was the turning point for us in our value proposition is we stopped asking, do you like this or do you like that? We asked what kept them up at night and you find amazing things like it's lonely here as an entrepreneur. I don't have anybody to talk to. Uh, so we built uh, a program around that, which is kind of like the peer perspectives program, um, that, that, uh, that many chambers use. Um, or we heard people say, I keep hearing about innovation. I don't know how to do it. So maybe I'm not an innovative company. So we built a, uh, a bit of a, a, a rapid 90-day um, uh, accelerated program for how traditional companies can, can apply innovation because uh, they all thought, oh, I have to be Tesla or Google or Apple to be innovative. Yeah. So when you unearth the real questions about what keeps these companies and entrepreneurs up at night, you can really develop solutions that make membership sticky, um, that they'll see a real value in that membership proposition. Um, that's what I'd encourage people to do is stop asking traditional questions of, do you like this? Do you like that? Sit down with your members and ask what keeps you up at night and then try and solve their problems. And it's those open-ended questions too. If it's, mm -hmm. do you like the banquet or the breakfast? It, you're not getting useful information. <laughs> if you leave it open-ended and you get a different response from everybody, and then you can see where those common themes are and where the, the big needs are, that's where you can go and, and focus your attention. So I love that response. Um, as we look to the future of chambers, how do you see their purpose going forward? I, you know, I, th I think they're just as relevant now as they were you know, 130 odd years ago when some of the first chambers in Canada, uh, were created. I know they're even older in, in, in the United States. Um, you know, we're, we're, I go back to it. We're there to somehow help make our members more successful. Um, that's what they look to us for. And, and every member will have a different pain point. Um, some will be around exposure to new, new customers. Some will be around a public policy issue. Um, as long as we don't, don't lose sight of that core DNA of help, helping our members be more successful and solving some of the, the challenges that they can't do alone. Um, I think we then just have to overlay that on, on contemporary issues, contemporary technologies, um, ways in which people are interacting and the solutions will emerge. Um, you know, I think doing far more through digital platforms is going to be essential. Um, you know, one of the big things I had hoped to get done before I, I left, but I didn't was, and how do you do kind of the, the Tinder for business, uh, you know, uh, sort of, uh, algorithm AI driven business matchmaking, which sort of 
will be a far more valuable curated way of interacting. So figuring out how do you keep, um, how do you honor that, that, that genuine DNA element and then, and then building it into today's issues and technologies. Um, uh, and I, th- and I think the, 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 the solutions will be there. I think that's so true. And, and understanding, you mentioned applying the, the layers of technology and understanding where those uh, influences are coming from and kind of where the world is going and, and be there with it. Don't get left behind. Exactly. I love that. Um, well, I wanted to give you an opportunity for anyone who might want to uh, reach out and connect with you or continue this discussion offline or pick up your book. Um, what would be the best ways to, to reach out and connect with you or to, or to find your book? Oh, thanks, Brandon. Uh, every author is a shameless self-promoter at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so uh, I, you can find me at, at adamleg.com, uh, L-E-G-G-E is how I spell the last name. That's my general website. Um, the book uh, is makingremarkable.com uh, and you can get it on either in print or, or, or Kindle version uh, through that platform. Um, I'm on Twitter, A-W-Leg, L-E-G-G-E. Um, although I have a, a newfound sort of distaste for social media, just uh, the world is getting so toxic on that stuff. But I, I pop in there from time to time just to kind of try and send the world a positive message. But uh, so you can find me there, Twitter, A-W-Leg. Um, and, and yeah, anyone who would like to follow up, please send me an email, adam at adamleg.com. Um, happy to continue the conversation and, you know, I'm a big fan of, of, of chambers and chamber executives. And so however we can help make the world a little better, uh, together, I'm happy to do so. That is perfect. And I will get all that contact information and links up in the show notes for this episode, which will be found at chamberchatpodcast.com slash episode 123. But Adam, I've enjoyed visiting with you. Um, it was an honor to have you on here. And, and you've you come with a lot of great value and insights that I think a lot of people can benef- benefit from. And hopefully they either have already read your book or will pick it up and apply some of those, uh, those principles to become remarkable. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a real privilege. And uh, you know, thanks for all the work you're doing trying to make sure the chambers can be at the top of their game and and being successful uh, contributors in the community. So thanks so much. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Would you be interested in creating even more value from the processes that you're already doing on a daily basis? Swipe It has been one of my sponsors for Chamber Chat from the beginning. Swipe It provides credit card payment solutions that will save your chamber up to 40% on your processing fees. And Swipe It can integrate your credit card processing seamlessly into your existing membership software. Swipe It does not charge chambers to switch, and they will make switching simple. In addition to these savings, Swipe It has an affinity program for Chambers of Commerce so you can earn more non-dues revenue to support your budget. Learn more about Swipe It by requesting your free cost savings analysis and become more profitable today 
by visiting chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, as in credit card. Again, that's chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, and you can join many other chambers as you begin swiping with Swipe It.